I'm Jerry Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theatre Company, and I'd like to welcome all of you to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theatre Company podcast series on all things theatrical, and occasionally we stray off course on two other topics, but this one is a very theatrical uh, discussion. We have uh, with us today uh, our two dramaturgs for the production of Written on the Heart by David Edgar, which opens on December 1st and runs through the 18th here at the Murphy School in Raleigh. And uh, I'm gonna let the two gentlemen introduce themselves, if you don't mind. Sure, my name is Marshall Botvinnik. Uh, I am one of the production dramaturgs on this production. I believe this will either be the third or fourth time uh, I've worked with Burning Coal. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do dramaturgy for them because they always select plays that are so intellectually rich and there is so much to unpack and so much research to do and context to provide. So. Uh, it's been a joy to dive into this project. Yeah, and, and I'm Jackson Cooper. I'm one of the other dramaturgs, and this is my first Burning Coal show. And this has been a great show to dramaturg. It's been a challenge because there's no play quite like this one out there. Uh, but I, I enjoy David Edgar's, and um, uh, it's been, been a great great time doing research for this. Yeah. Let's start off by talking a little bit about your backgrounds. Jackson, you uh, you are working uh, with Playmakers now? Yeah, right? yeah, I'm the assistant to the artistic director, Vivian Benish, at Playmakers, Very and good. I do some freelance directing and dramaturgy, too. And yeah. From whence did you come? <laughs> uh, UNC Greensboro, actually, oh, where okay. my focus was uh, directing and dramaturgy. Uh -huh. And before and, that? Uh, and before that, um, uh, I grew up in Raleigh, and I grew up in Raleigh Arts specifically since I was 12. And um, did a lot of stuff with Hot Summer Nights, North Carolina Theater, mm -hmm. things like that. But I never got interested in directing until I came uh, or I went to UNCG and I worked in the opera department as an assistant director and dramaturged um, a few productions in the theater department. Mm -hmm. So, um, and now I'm back. So Very it's nice. great. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. And I've yeah. mostly only, it's interesting, I've only mostly worked on Shakespeare, dramaturgy and Shakespeare plays and very contemporary, very contemporary play. So this is kind of a mixture of somewhere in know, between. Somewhere in between, yeah. yeah. So it's great. Yeah. So how how did you uh, come to know Vivian Banesh, the new artistic director at Playmaker? Uh, I had um, well, I actually when I was up in New York a few times during undergrad, I had seen her perform uh -huh. um, actually in a production of Benefactors at the Michael King Friend, Company. Yeah. yeah, Michael Friend, great play. I saw um, that original production. Of oh wow! Oh my God! I, I love it, and I don't think it's done enough. But the King Company directed it, and actually it was directed by Carl Forsman, uh -huh. who is now the dean of School of the Arts. And Vivian was in it. Right. And then um, it was announced she was down here, and I was writing for American Theater at the time, and they asked me to do a profile on her, so we got brunch, I did the article, and then we just developed a relationship. Um, and uh, then, you know, I had graduated by that point, and so she kind of took me on, and I've been there since April, I would say, yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so it's been fun, it's been great fun, yeah. You guys are uh, working your way through your season and have uh, the Crucible running right now? Oh, uh, Crucible just closed, just actually. Closed, yeah, okay. I closed two days before the election, which was, I think, a fitting play to prep people for what was to come. Uh -huh. And, uh, <laughs> but we're actually in the throes. We start tech for uh, a play, actually, Vivian is directing, that she commissioned while up at Chautauqua Theater Company. 
um, called The May Queen, which is written by Molly Metzer, mm -hmm. who writes for Orange is the New Black. Right. And it's a comedy. It's a 90-minute office comedy, so it's it's nice uh, escape from Detroit 60, the heaviness of Detroit 67, or, or, uh, and then Crucible. Salem and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that's what we're working on now, and then the rest of the season is Intimate Apparel by Lynn Nottage, uh, Twelfth Night, um, a new production of Twelfth Night, and then ending with My Fair Lady. So... Wow! Yeah, so it's a great, it's a great season. Lovely, yeah, yeah very lovely. Marshall, uh, you, uh, you are. Uh, this is as you said in your introduction. You're, you're not new to Burning Coal. You've worked with us in a variety of capacities, um, as well as dramaturg. You have acted uh, in our shake scenes uh, thing, and you've done some other stuff for us too, haven't you? Or is that, is that it? I think those are the. I think those are the primary things. Did uh, you but AD a show? Uh, no, no, I didn't AD a show. Yeah. But I do. Uh, I, I do appear uh, as a performer. I uh, dust off the old acting talent that's gotten quite dusty in the past <laughs> decade uh, yeah. and perform Shakespeare uh, for elementary and middle schoolers and high schoolers uh, that the company. Uh, does uh, throughout the year a series of performances. In, in schools, yeah. Tell us about your background. Where are you from originally and uh, how did you come here? So I actually, I, I, am, uh, I am a Raleigh native. Uh, I've lived the bulk of my life in, in various parts of North Carolina. Uh, I did my undergraduate work uh, at Duke. I was a theater studies major uh, and a religion minor, which comes into play uh, on this particular production. In a big way. Yes, <laughs> most definitely. Um, uh, and then I got a Master's of Fine Arts in Dramaturgy from the American Repertory Theater Institute at Harvard. Uh, and I finished up there in 2009, and then I returned to North Carolina, where uh, I've been ever since uh, working at various academic institutions. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now I am uh, in my third year on faculty at UNC Wilmington. I am the department's full-time lecturer there uh, with an emphasis on online education. I teach introduction to theater courses, theater history courses, as well as a survey of dramatic literature. It's lovely, and you do that on on the internet, so you don't drive to Wilmington daily. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I drive uh, sometimes multiple times a week, but usually it's once a week. Sometimes there's some weeks where I don't have to go at all. But I would say once a week is uh, once a week is kind of the standard in terms of my commute, which is. Right. A little more than I'd like, but it's still very, very much manageable. Sure, yeah, very much so. So, uh, big question, 800-pound uh, uh, gorilla in the room, uh, what is a dramaturg? Um, well, I... <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a better definition. Well, sure, me. yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I... Oh, yeah. go ahead. oh, no, I was just going to say, um, on, the, on the basic fundamental level, they're the know-it-all in the room, uh -huh. and uh, the encyclopedic... Uh, brain of the production that everyone turns to when no one has an answer to it, or when, when people have a question yeah. and yeah. Is that just uh, about preparation then? I mean is it, is it really just, just preparing uh, through, through research before the production gets into rehearsal? or it's, it's a little bit of that but it's also, and I, I'm sure Marshall can expand on it, but it, in my experience it's always been uh, preparing um, you know, being in the pre-talks with you know set designers and uh, directors and things about capturing the uh, uh, sometimes historical accuracy in terms mm -hmm. of and the consistency. I, I 
internal like consistency. Yeah, I think, I think it's internal consistency is a lot of it. Yeah. And, um, of course, there's research packets and things like that, but also when you're a production dramaturg, you're in the room to kind of catch those um, sort of, um, oh, no, maybe, you know, answer the questions but uh, that a director might have or an actor about a line um, or some facet of the historical um, background of the play. But what, what did the playwright have in mind mm-hmm. when they wrote that What did he mean when he did that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, I would say, you know, for me, the, the dramaturg is the provider of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, all plays have highly specific worlds that uh, you have to enter into. Uh, and if a dramaturg has done his or her job properly, then they can serve as the conduit for not just the director and designers uh, and actors to enter the world of the play, but also for the audience to enter the world of the play. Uh, Anything from program notes to pre-show discussions to post-show discussions uh, all provide the necessary context, be it historical, literary, uh, etc. that help people understand where they are uh, and and what's happening so they feel like they're standing on the inside of the play as opposed to sort of looking at it uh, on the outside. So uh, so research and sort of uh, understanding the play uh, as fully as possible uh, and understanding the, the era in which the play is set um, a lot of times when you're doing, for instance, a Shakespeare play, you'll find a, a production that is not set in a particular era. And in fact, some of Shakespeare's plays were deliberately written that way. Um, that they're in sort of fanciful places that never really existed at times that never really existed. And so I, but, but certainly today, a, a, a good percentage, if not a majority of Shakespeare productions in the U.S. are, are presented in... Uh, worlds that are kind of an amalgam, an amalgamation of uh, uh, of different eras and times and ideas. Um, so, so is that does that provide a challenge for you as a dramaturg, Mark? Uh, it, it can. Uh, you know, every every production is 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 always going to be different. Uh, you know, when working uh, on. A Shakespearean text, I think the primary challenge uh, is not necessarily the socio-political or historical context, although it it certainly can be when you get into the English histories. Yeah. Uh, the primary challenge is the linguist is the linguistic challenge, uh, and uh, I think the biggest barrier between us in the 21st century and those texts are uh, that those texts speak a language while they're still modern English. Uh, it's a version of English that uh, is not uh, necessarily our own version of English. And so if I'm serving as dramaturg on a Shakespearean production, for me, the biggest service I can provide to uh, the actors is helping them to unpack that language so everything is clear when it's ultimately spoken on stage. Because if an actor doesn't know what they're saying, then the audience ultimately will have no idea uh, what is being said. Um, so uh, on those kinds of productions, I would say, yeah, I, I sort of pull, I pull back on the socio-political context and instead focus uh, my primary amount of energy on uh, what's, what's going on with the words themselves. Yeah. So Jackson, that's, yeah. uh, that's uh, interesting to me because that then begs the question of 
what what role does a dramaturg play in a modern production, a production that right. is set in our current time or yeah, sometime absolutely. very near it, uh, with language that we that's familiar to us? Right. Yeah. And and actually, it kind of goes into um, just adding a point with the Shakespeare. A lot of dramaturgs usually um, with Shakespeare are so closely working with the director on cutting the uh-huh. script yeah. um, and offering the advice of, you know, uh, a kind of uh, cutting the script to fit uh, what a director wants to emphasize with the production, mm-hmm. something like Measure for Measure or uh, Twelfth Night, you know, what are we trying to do with this 80-minute version of Twelfth Night? And the dramaturg can come in and be like, okay, eliminating this scene will do this or, and mm-hmm. all those things. And, yeah. and I know in the past, historically, dramaturgs have come to directors with cuts of scripts and then directors have taken them and, uh, oh. for Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. But for, for a modern, uh, like I just worked on Man Bites Dogs, um, uh, The Death of Walt Disney mm-hmm. by Lucas Hainth. Um, and it's, uh, it's written in a screenplay format and it, it almost reads as a kind of poetry. And I feel like when you're a dramaturg working on a contemporary playwright, the Playwrights are so, they, they have their style. Contemporary playwrights are so smart because they are so informed about uh, literary devices mm-hmm. and um, cultural events. And, and all of it informs the way that they write and the style that they write. Mm-hmm. That uh, a dramaturg really can, um, I found, you know, just reading all of a playwright's work and then try, trying to figure out, oh, when he uses this device, he means this, or he usually does this in other plays, and that typically means this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, so it's really understanding the playwright's voices and mm. styles, and then communicating that, how, what makes this a Lynn Nottage play as opposed to just any other play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And do you feel, um, Marshall, that, that working in a particular uh, area of the country, or of, uh, I don't know if you've worked abroad at all yet, but... Uh, you feel like where you're working and who the audience uh, is informs your work as a dramaturg? Uh, certainly where I work. Um, you know, in the United States, we rely on dramaturgs a lot less heavily uh, than they're relied upon in European countries. Is that just uh, a funding issue? Uh, I, think, I think part of it is a funding issue, but I think... Part of it, too, actually has to do with larger differences between American theater, which is um, tends to be a little bit more commercialized, a little bit less avant-garde, uh, and European theater tends to be a little bit more um, in the direction of the avant-garde. Um, and especially, I mean, as Jackson pointed out with Shakespearean text, um, with any text, anytime you start to take it apart and deconstruct it, a dramaturg is a very useful person to have in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that uh, American productions, more often than not, tend to be uh, largely straightforward representations of the words themselves. Whereas, uh, you know, I I, st- I studied uh, I studied at the Moscow Art Theater for for three months. Um, uh, and to just use Russian productions as, as an example, um, they are much more willing to um, divide things up. 
uh, rearrange the order of scenes, splice the playtext with things totally separate from the playtext, poems, popular music, this, that. <laughs> um, and, and when you're doing that, um, a dramaturg requires a lot more agency. Um, here, I think we do, we do use dramaturgs uh, like research assistants, um, which is yeah. is fine. It's good. I I like researching topics. Right. Uh, it's always kind of uh, fun to work on a play about a topic I know nothing about, and somehow six weeks, eight weeks. Three months later, I'm a lot more literate on some obscure topic. Uh, but uh, I do think dramaturgs have more artistic agency abroad, whereas here they are treated a little bit more uh, as an academic emissary into the rehearsal room. Um, and I'm academic, so it's 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 fine. But it it is nice to be used in a little bit more creative capacity right. as well. Right. Jackson, yeah. same question. Uh, yeah, no, it's. Um, I mean, Marshall brought up the point about American and European. Uh, uses of dramaturgs because um, it, it is taken, I don't want to say more seriously, but there is a more creative and artistic angle over in Europe um, where they are so involved in every aspect. Like om They're almost a second director, mm -hmm. basically. And um, But the only difference is they're there to make sure that the time, you know, time period is right. The costumes are considered, it's, mm -hmm. you know, they're held to that, but they also have the artistic freedom of saying, oh, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, here it's a bit more like consulting, but there are institutions, you know, that, um, and uh, uh, where dramaturgs do have that say, mm -hmm. but they're fewer and far between here than they are over in Europe. Is it a, it, does it require a director to relinquish some power in order to, to do that, do you think? Is that, or is that the perception at least? In, in my observations, it's, and I think you can speak on it more because you've been doing it longer than I have, but um, in my observations, it's been, um, it's, it's either that or sometimes people just don't know what to do with a dramaturg. Yeah. You know, they, they don't know the traditions or the practices of, of what a dramaturg, having a dramaturg in a room, for instance, in the rehearsal room, yeah. and what purpose do they serve? Yeah. Um, some directors know that, but typically in America, we're not given dramaturgs yeah. in either undergrad or even sometimes graduate school, except for places yeah. like Yale or ART or you know these big institutions where UNC Greensboro, right? <laughs> <laughs> where um, you know it, it's. Typically, they're not in the room, so right. as directors, we're not trained to have one. You learn so when, to do with them. Right, and, and it's almost a luxury when one comes along, right. you know, and wants to be like, I want a dramaturg. He goes, great, and the director goes, I don't have to do all the research, so, right. <laughs> so right, right, right. I, I don't know what... What's been your experience? Yeah, I, I would say that I would say that is right. You know, I think the more the more democratic the rehearsal room, the more dramaturg has uh, to offer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the more autocratic is too harsh of a word, but it's the it's the opposite of democratic. So I'll use it. The more autocratic the rehearsal room, uh, sort of the the less a dramaturg has to offer. You know, I would say you know the one way in which uh, Americans really 
do use dramaturgs well uh, and give them a lot of creative agency is in the new play development process. Um, I think American playwrights, while there is still some tension between dramaturgs uh, and playwrights because dramaturgs are often the ones who decide which scripts get passed on to artistic directors of companies, so there is some tension as dramaturgs are seen as gatekeepers. Um, but uh, once the playwright gets through the gate, uh, I think a lot of playwrights are quite comfortable uh, working with, with dramaturgs, especially if they have sort of a a longer, more trusting relationship. And most playwrights that I know have have a dramaturg or two that that Definitely almost always sees sort of the first early drafts of the play. Um, uh, and so, in that way, our dramaturgs uh, are more like what you'd see uh, as an editor at a publishing house, uh, which for me for me is quite fulfilling. You know, I'm at I'm at the point in my career where really. Uh, there are only a couple of kinds of plays that I'll work on. I'll work on new play development uh, because I think it's uh, artistically exciting. Uh, and I'll work on plays that uh, are about topics that I'm genuinely interested in researching. Um, but uh, other kinds of dramaturgical work, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not so... Um, I'm at the point in my career where... Uh, you can choose. I, 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 I can choose. It, it's nice. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't just have to dramaturg every single thing under the sun to, to build up my resume. I'll say I'm interested in doing a play about the writing of the King James Bible because that's a topic that's of interest to me. So yeah. I'm game. But uh, uh, I, I'm much more just. I'm much more discriminating, I guess, as you could say, as a mid-career dramaturg yeah. than I was as, as an early career dramaturg. Well, you both look like early career everything to me. <laughs> In my 56. Uh, so, so what would you say to a, a generation uh, to come, uh, who, who, a person from that generation who's thinking about uh, whether they want, they want a life in the theater, they don't know whether they want to wait uh, uh, tables all their life, uh, and they're thinking maybe a dramaturg is, the, is a position that they could uh, fulfill. Uh, what, would you, uh, what would you guys say to them What's the track to take or the best thing to begin to do? Sure. The uh, first thing I would say is in terms of figuring out your interest, uh, I'll just speak from my own personal experience and how I got into dramaturgy. For me, dramaturgy is the area of theater where uh, scholarship and theatrical practice intersected. Uh, I, was, I had interest in both areas, uh, and I didn't want to give up my scholarship entirely in pursuit of practice. Uh, and I didn't want to give up my practice entirely in pursuit of scholarship. Uh, and dramaturgy was the way for me to uh, apply my academic learning yep. in a rehearsal room uh, yep. and put it to use as opposed to it just being a part of the life of the mind uh, and giving it, uh, giving it some practical dimension. Uh, so that's... That's why I chose it, in addition to its stability, uh, because it, it, uh, it can be a more stable living than, than acting and directing. Dramaturgs tend to be institutionalized in a way that yeah. other kind of artistic figures aren't. Um, as, for, as for breaking in, you know, there, there are two ways to do it. Um, one is kind of going the internship route, uh, seeking out uh, 
a not-for-profit professional regional theater. Uh, I'm doing an internship in literary management, uh, building up your experience, building up your base of contacts mm -hmm. that way. Uh, and then the other way to do it would be uh, the MFA route. There aren't that many programs uh, across the country. I think there may be six or seven. Um, I know University of Iowa, Massachusetts at Amherst, uh, the American Repertory Theater, Yale, Columbia, Brooklyn College, and maybe there's one or two others out there, uh, SUNY Stony Brook. Uh, but there, there aren't many, uh, and the bulk of them are on the East Coast. So you'd probably have to come so east if you're not if you're not on the yeah if you're not on the <laughs> Eastern <laughs> Seaboard. Um, yeah. Floridians, uh, Texans, good luck. Um, uh, but uh, those that's generally how people get into the field uh, and then from there uh, most dramaturgs would either work as a literary manager an assistant literary manager for a professional company some like myself uh, find their primary source of income uh, comes from their work in higher education teaching mm -hmm. um, and I think it just sort of depends on what your what your larger interests or career ambitions uh, would be uh, but those would be kind of the two ways to get in, either the either the internship route or the graduate school route. Jackson, yeah. what can you add to that? Yeah, um, well, I my end was I was always interested in uh, directing, but I would find myself doing way too much research only for myself and nowhere to share it, kind yeah. of like your, you know, it <laughs> didn't want to stay in the mind. Um, and so uh, I, I found, I mean, assistant directing in undergrad was the best way because you could have an in for, yeah. quite frankly, people who didn't understand what dramaturg was. You know, you could sure. do that in addition to mm -hmm. um, assistant directing. So and you, were, you were calling yourself an assistant director, but you were actually Right, but I was, I was doing the dramaturgy and then, you know, actually on the floor with the director during rehearsals, which was... Um, uh, completely new experience, but but I um, I recommend it to people who um, have practiced theater in some way, either as a director or a playwright mm -hmm. or a critic um, or scholar. You know, I I think that's those are always good ends to becoming dramaturgs because mm -hmm. you have a fundamental understanding of the text mm -hmm. of a play, which is where you have to go as a dramaturg. Um, and uh, suddenly research becomes quote-unquote easy yeah. because you're you know all the things that you would do otherwise as a director or a playwright you know you're just putting together into a packet for um, for people and people are asking you questions mm -hmm. um, but I again I think knocking on doors for um, independent theater companies in your area um, it might and, be uh, worth saying. Yeah. Yeah, get 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 yourself to a place where there are people doing the kind of plays you would right. want to dramaturg. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. and and uh, and creating that opportunity if that opportunity is not there. Right. You know, if you've always wanted to work on uh, Twelfth Night and wanted to do all the research and thought you could be a valuable asset, I mean, it's mm -hmm. always worth asking. So. Sure, gather yeah. some friends and get to work. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so we're going to end with, uh, I'm going to ask you guys for a story. So start oh, thinking great. about that, uh, because uh, what we're talking about, I think to, to me it all makes sense, but I think maybe to a listener who just wandered across our podcast, uh, I, I would ask the question, so so tell me, tell me about a, a moment in your life when 
doing the work of a dramaturg paid off on stage? Uh, for me, my most satisfying experiences as a dramaturg have, have almost always, there are a few exceptions, but I've almost always been in the new play development process. Uh, I really, uh, I like the dramaturg director relationship, but I love the dramaturg playwright uh, relationship. Uh, and to be useful as a dramaturg to help a playwright realize his or her vision on stage uh, and end up with a final product uh, that is better because of my input uh, is is always kind of the most rewarding so thing for me. Happen? So there have been a few. A story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was giving context, oh. like a good dramaturg. <laughs> uh, yes, that's exactly right. Um, and so there have been a few plays uh, where, uh, where that has, has been the case. Uh, I would say one of the most rewarding was I worked on a play, uh, Man Bites Dog Theater in Durham uh, in 2009. Uh, it was a new play uh, by a Durham writer, Howard Kraft. Uh, it was called Caleb Calypso and the Midnight Marauders. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the ending of that play, uh, as it was written at the time we went into rehearsals, uh, didn't didn't quite work. Uh, it didn't have kind of the um, the biggest the biggest payoff it it could get or should get given its quality through throughout the rest of the text. Uh, and Howard had come into the process thinking, you know, this is the script. I'm not I'm not making any changes, and was was very skeptical uh, about it. Even though both both the director and I felt like. There might be something more there, um, and uh, we talked a lot in those first few rehearsals. Uh, and Howard, like all brilliant playwrights, uh, really was able to to listen to what we were saying, uh, take it, uh, what he liked, and discard what he didn't like, uh, and. Uh, and churn out a new ending that uh, I think. Uh, he uh, and I and the director and all the actors uh, kind of unanimously felt was was a better ending um, mm -hmm. and to um, to see that manifest itself on the stage uh, even though Howard was the one who wrote it and was the person who's primarily responsible for that mm -hmm. but to know that uh, I somehow kind of played a part in it was very meaningful you know one of my mentors in graduate school he likes to describe dramaturgs uh, as the midwives of theater. Mm. They're not the ones who are giving birth. They're not having right. these labor pangs. Right. Uh, it's not their baby, but they are, uh, they are facilitating well, they have that birth. They have blood in their hand. Yes. <laughs> Just to go with the metaphor. Oh, yeah. Okay, so. Jackson, uh, let's hear your story. Um, well, I was, in, I was an undergrad. I was um, dramaturging and assistant directing Sarah Rules Vibrator play, which was, um, in, for lack of a better word, it was incredibly fun to do um, <laughs> because there's uh, so much. Hit, um, she's such a great writer and um, is so informative uh -huh. in her writing uh, that yep. she's a dramaturg's, um, you know, dream. Right. Um, and uh, I was sitting next to my director and watching. I think like a. A final, um, or uh, kind of, it was like right after tech, and we were into runs, and uh, there was just the the 
the simu the simulation scenes just weren't working mm -hmm. at all, and and it, they just couldn't work. They just couldn't work. They weren't working, and my director was getting you know upset and frustrated, and so I went home or I went to the library and then I went home. I got all like about nine books that I had come across when I was doing my research, but they were, you know, not, uh, there were things that I went, oh no, I, that, that wouldn't be helpful. You know, they, yeah. they weren't directly about the topic. They were about other things. And, uh, and I gave, um, I gave the actress all of these, uh, literary writings like Kate Chopin's The Awakening and The Yellow Wallpaper and all these things that were about women's um, uh, uh, freedom, you know, and uh, women feel, yeah, the pursuit yeah. of freedom and yeah. happiness and feeling restrained and then suddenly bursting out into uh, <laughs> freedom. And yeah. then a book actually that was about um, vibrators and the creation, the invention of, um, mm -hmm. was it the technology of orgasm? Um, which was a, a is a very dense book, and um, but I gave her you know all these literary stuff and all that, and she said, oh I get it now, it's it's freedom, it's it's a relief, it's it's all this, it's not just mechanical, it's this you know she's flying high above the clouds, yeah. and uh, and then the next night it worked, and it and it was consistent throughout the entire run, yeah. and uh, so I felt really really proud about that, really yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much, uh, both of you, for your work on Written on the Heart. Uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a difficult animal in many ways, and we could not have uh, come close to achieving it without your help. So thank you both. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Take care.